This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, good morning. It's 7.06 a.m. on Monday, the 18th of December, the start of another work week, and we're inching ever closer to the new year. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Keith Kam and Anwar Mahbob. We are The Morning Run. As always, we're going to kickstart the morning with a recap on how global markets closed last Friday. Dow closed up 0.2%, the S&P 500 closed flat, while the Nasdaq was up 0.4%. On the Asian side, Nikkei was up 0.9%, Hang Seng was up 2.4%, the Shanghai Composite was down 0.6%, and the SDI was down 0.2%, and our very own FBM KLCI was up 0.4%. For some thoughts on where markets could be heading this week, we have on the line with us Kingsley Jones, Chief Investment Officer at Jevons Global. Kingsley, good morning. Always good to have you on. Let's look at U.S. stock markets. They notched up seven straight weeks of gains last Friday. What sort of trajectory do you see equity markets taking this week in the wake of the Fed's pronouncement on rates? Given that strong run, uh, they may be a little bit overbought right now, but um you know, notwithstanding that, we think it's still uh, a pretty positive outlook now. Um, I think the main thing for the next year is really if we see the very narrow market performance we had this year with Magnificent 7 dominating the S&P 500, if that were to broaden out to include some more cyclical names, you know, things like home builders and transportation stocks, financials, and, and maybe even the autos, uh, then that would be a good sign because, uh, you know, we have an expensive core to the market uh, in the uh, tech stocks, uh, and we need really the other stocks to follow uh, for this um, extended um, rally to continue into the next year. We think the prognosis for that is fairly positive, but it, it may be a little bit of a volatile first quarter next year as the market digests what's going on. Market expectations are now high for the US interest rates to come down sooner rather than later. Will the RBA be forced into aligning its monetary policy alongside the Fed's by cutting overnight rates next year? It's a tricky one. The RBA uh, is obviously concerned about the fact that Australian inflation remains pretty high uh, and hasn't come down as quickly as the United States. The other factor to consider is that we've had high immigration uh, and the government's moving now to sort of arrest that rate of growth of immigration in the long term for a more planned uh, you know, acceptance of, uh, you know, a greater population and the pressure that that puts on real estate. Um, but, you know, that's probably still in the future. So I think the RBA will be a little bit cautious not to cut rates too quickly. They don't want to inflate um, a real estate bubble, uh, given that, uh, you know, accommodation is hard to find uh, with all these uh, new immigrants coming into the country. So we think they'll probably be a little bit slower than the Fed in the United States to cut rates. Kingsley, the uh, Aussie is currently trading at about 67 cents to the US dollar. That's It's moved up from about 65 and I think it's been trying to break 70 for, uh, I suppose, for the past couple of months. Uh, I was wondering what your outlook on it might be for the rest of the year. We've got Australia's mid-year economic and fiscal outlook coming out, I think, today. And uh, the RBA is going to release its minutes for uh, the, its latest meeting later tomorrow as well. What are your thoughts on where the Aussie dollar is heading? We think it'll probably trend higher through next year. Uh, you know, the rule of thumb used to be an average uh, on the Aussie uh, versus the US dollar of about 75 cents. And clearly, you know, we're about eight cents below that. With iron ore prices above $130 US per ton, 
you would normally have expected the Aussie to be above 70 already. Mm. Uh, but we think that maybe the factor there is uh, we would need, I think, to see a bit of a positive interest rate differential between Australia and the United States before you really saw the um, Australian dollar take off. Uh, I, as I mentioned earlier, we think that's likely in, in the first half of next year. And so I, I think you'll see probably a move out of the gate for the Aussie uh, in that first half of next year. Uh, we, we would think it could be 75 cents by the end of 2024. Mm. But for that to happen, obviously, we need to avoid a recession. Uh, I think the signs are good that we will. Uh, but we also need to have the Chinese economy get back on track in terms of their present real estate uh, crisis and, uh, you know, sustained iron ore prices you know, above $120 a tonne. And I think we, we're well set then for a 75 cents uh, by the end of 2024. How much of uh, China has to do with the strength of the Aussie dollar? And I've been reading that uh, Australia is also shifting its focus more towards the ASEAN countries, Southeast Asia and, and this region. Is that going to move the needle anywhere? Well, it could do. I think the reality, though, is that ASEAN itself is becoming more integrated with China in trade, not less so. Uh, for example, I think there was some data published by Reuters about two weeks ago showing that the biggest uh, foreign investor in Vietnam for new factories was actually China. Uh, mm -hmm. And the rate of Chinese investment exceeded the rate of US investment by a factor of 10 at least. Uh, so we think that um, actually there is a positive story here in as much as as trade broadens out through ASEAN, China is a prime mover of that. So we need the Chinese economy to recover for strength generally in ASEAN, but we also think that there's a deepening of trade between ASEAN countries themselves, and that's already showing up in shipping data. So we think that uh, actually it's a positive there, uh, and Australia's uh, increasing engagement with ASEAN is probably just a reflection of the fact that the whole locomotive, is, as, it, as it were, is being pulled by a combination of China and Japan. Could I tap your thoughts, Kingsley, on where you think the opportunities are in terms of equities when it comes to that, I guess, burgeoning relationship between Australia and ASEAN? Well, I think that a lot of that uh, trade that we're seeing is related to complex manufacturers like automobiles. Uh, and of course, you know, think about Thailand. Thailand's a, a very big producer of uh, conventional ICE engine cars, and it's now becoming increasingly a big producer of electric vehicles. And, of course, the same goes for, for other parts of ASEAN. Uh, and uh, we think, for example, Indonesia now is a big producer of nickel. Uh, they will be producing batteries as well and possibly EVs. Uh, so I think that, therefore, the commodities we want to focus on are those. It's, you know, it's the nickel, copper, lithium, cobalt, things like that. Um, it's a little bit tricky right now because prices are soft generally because of you know, fears that there might be um, a further slowdown in China and also a bit of a tail off in EV sales in Europe and the United States, uh, but no lessening up of the rate of uh, growth of EVs in, uh, in, in China. So I think the things to look at are, are certainly copper. Uh, you know, we like Southern copper in the United States. They have uh, very long life mines in Peru and, and Mexico. Um, we think it's maybe a bit early to be buying nickel, but we like nickel industries, which is listed in Australia. They have a big exposure to the Indonesian uh, nickel which, of course, is uh, where most of the growth is now. Uh, and we also like uh, you know, companies like Pilbara Minerals, which is in lithium. And uh, we think there's value in, in IGO in Australia, which, of course, is a combination of nickel, cobalt and lithium. You have to remember IGO owns about a quarter of the Greenbushes mine, lithium mine in Australia, which is the biggest hard rock uh, 
lithium mine in the world and also the lowest cost. Uh, so we think the market has sort of thrown the baby out with the bathwater there. Uh, and uh, we're certainly buying that stock at this time. Mm. Kingsley, as you've mentioned, iron ore prices have gone through the roof. Where do you see price levels heading up to and which producers will be your top picks for this commodity? Well, firstly, we, we think that the levels around 130 mark are, are probably in the sweet spot in the sense that uh, it's a trade-off, obviously, between pressure from the Development um, Commission in China to get iron ore prices down because Chinese steel mill margins are not great right now, so they're a little bit conscious of that. They always try to talk down the market when prices get much above 130. Uh, but then equally, you know, there is demand there. Uh, and, and so we think prices below, say, 110 start to set off fears that we're in a slowing economy. So we think we're in a training range somewhere between 110 and 140. 130 is probably about the sweet spot for that. Above 150 and you'll see the Chinese really jawbone the market down. Uh, and for these reasons, we like the majors. We particularly like Rio right now. We think they're well positioned with Samandu project going ahead uh, in Africa. Uh, but we also like BHP Group. Uh, you know, another one you could look at is Fortescue Metals Group. We, we're a little bit concerned that there may be some distractions there on the iron ore business because they're doing a good thing. You know, they're trying to do the renewables and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, that means they are investing a lot. Uh, so we we think Rio and BHP are better. Um the other one to look out for, though, is um, some of these high-grade iron ore products that really require these sorts of prices to make money, and that's something like Champion Iron, which is listed in Australia but actually has their mines in Canada. And so one of the big things that's happened here is um, more interest in so-called direct reduced iron, uh, where you don't use coking coal, so obviously the carbon emissions are lower, mm -hmm. and you need a different sort of iron ore for that, and that's what they produce. So we'd keep an eye on stocks like that as well. Kingsley, thanks very much for speaking to us. That was Kingsley Jones, Chief Investment Officer at Jevons Global, giving us his take on some of the trends that he sees moving markets in the days and weeks ahead, giving us an extensive commentary on some of the uh, factors in the commodity space, really, commenting on some of the iron ore stocks he's keeping an eye on, as well as stocks in the minerals, critical minerals mm. uh, sector that uh, could become big moving forward. Also, just to just to put things in, into context a little bit, uh, Kingsley did mention that the he expects the Australian dollar to hit 70 cents to the US dollar. So if going by the current US dollar value, that would mean one Aussie dollar would be about 3 ringgit 50. So it's about 312 now. And overall, the RBA may take a more conservative stand because they see that immigration is still high and this may put pressure on the real estate sector. So they may not be cutting rates anytime soon. Speaking of rates, I think this week uh, all eyes are going to be on the Bank of Japan because they will be convening tomorrow for their last meeting of the year. And really at this point, investors aren't expecting the central bank to ditch negative interest rates. Uh, I think Bloomberg sources have indicated that um, Japanese authorities aren't in a hurry to move because the Japanese economy is contracting more sharply than expected and they're waiting for hard evidence on sustainable inflation. I think this is just probably another headache for the Prime Minister Fumio Kishida, who also had to reshuffle his cabinet last week. Uh, and I think, uh, yeah, there's still a lot to watch in, on this front, I suppose. I, I wonder if Arno is sharing notes with uh, the Japanese Prime Minister because they've met and they both reshuffled their cabinet. So. Indeed, I'm sure they have a lot of things to compare. It's 7.18 in the morning. We're going to head into some messages. And when we come back, we'll cover the top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned to BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.